Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to the Beer Ladies Podcast with your hosts, Lisa, Katie, Christina, and myself, Tandy. You can find us at our website or all over social media. Our website is beerladiespodcast.com and our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon, Blue Sky, TikTok, and even Facebook are at Beer Ladies Pod or Beer Ladies Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can find our merch store link uh, on any of our social media bios uh, or in the show notes for this episode. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode, do mail us at beerladiespodcast at gmail.com. Now back to the beer. Hello and welcome back to the Beer Ladies Podcast. Uh, we're back in season four and this week I am joined by Tandy and Christina. Say hello. Hello, hello. This week we are going to talk about beer and alcohol, I suppose, and mental health and abstaining from alcohol and what that means uh, especially in Ireland I suppose where we're known stereotyped across the world as being as being drinkers uh, but before we get into that we're going to go around the room and say what are you drinking let's start with Christina you're you're not drinking tonight at all you don't even have a cup no. of tea no on the on the theme though i will be having a popsicle later but that's kind of awkward to do the podcast and whatever but it's too hot and i can't be arsed yeah and how about you tandy well i decided to drink today uh even though we'll largely talk about non-alcoholic things i've got a beer uh, it's actually i'm showing up my glass and it's a wickler wolf glass but it's not a wickler wolf beer it's a kinnegar or kinnegar it's rust bucket rye ipa Good old, good old trusty rust bucket. It's always a good one. And uh, yep, picked it up at my local little. So nice to see some of the crafty beers at little again. Cheers to that. I do. I am enjoying having Kinnegar in little actually. Because, mm. Mm. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I am drinking uh, a an non-alcoholic IPA. It is Hope's Hop Off. I haven't tasted nice. it yet. I'm going to taste it now. Oh, it's a very nice non-alcoholic IPA. It That's is not awesome. too, not too worthy, not too watery, not too. Mm. Yeah, it's fine. I could happily drink that. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, it is pretty good. So, ladies, what about alcohol and our mental health? What are our thoughts on this or even our physical health? Mm. 
Okay, so I'll I'll maybe kick kick off and maybe why we're talking about this a little bit. We got chatting when we were catching up the four of us to decide on season four and how we're going to plan it and plan our first few episodes and all of that. And one of the things that came up in this discussion was should we talk about this idea of being sober curious and how alcohol sort of plays a role in your life and whether, you know, how what it's like to not drink for a couple of months or not drink for a couple of weeks and how do you manage that and how do you fit that all in? And one of the things that, I mean, I experienced it over the summer was that I got quite ill. I had had like a gastritis and a, a you know, kind of like a gastro thing and I thought it was an ulcer and it wasn't actually and, and all the things. But one of the things I kind of had to do to help heal <laughs> was to stay away from the alcohol. Um, and that was, you know, not just beer, it was wine, it was gin, it was everything, all the things that I typically enjoy. And it wasn't just that that I had to stay away from. It was spicy food and salty things and fatty things and vinegary things. So basically everything that I loved in the world was just taken away from me oh. in one fell swoop. I know. So I was on this like bland diet for, I mean, it was really about a week, but for longer, you know, for a lot longer than that, I sort of stayed away from alcohol. And I have famously touted on this very podcast that I don't really believe in the concept of um, sober, what do you call it? Sober January? What is that? Oh, thing dry January. That's dry January. Dry January. Like I've, I've sort of famously said that I don't really believe in this concept because I feel like you should be able to just um, not drink when you want to not drink. And why dedicate a whole month to it? You know, almost why draw attention as opposed to um, just monitor, monitoring and moderating your own consumption? However, I did feel that there was something um, that happened now when I was when I was basically told, you know, stay away from the alcohol. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I felt so um, robbed. <laughs> I felt as if my life was over, even though it only was going to be for a few weeks. It just felt like everything was wrong. And it really made me think about, gosh, am I really am I really moderating myself? And it's not even that I drink every day or even a lot when I do drink. It's just that it is it is such an integral part of my life. And I, it just got me wondering, how much of a role really should it play? And I mean, it's funny from, you know, people who do a beer podcast, but as it, you know, as it is. So it just it got me thinking. And yeah, I think I'm now, I'm drinking less, um, which is probably good for me in a number of ways. Um, and I'm feeling okay about it. Although I still feel a bit of pressure you know, going out and such. And that's a bit tricky. Yeah. And I think I've I've had a few health thing, issues over the summer as well, where I was going to the GP and um, we've um, a clinic, so you don't always get the same GP. And they ask you, like, so, and uh, do you drink? And I go, yeah. And it's like, and how much do you drink? <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, I have a few beers uh, at the weekend because I don't really drink during the week unless... Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't sit at home, I suppose, and drink beers during the week. Or maybe I do sometimes. Not all the time. Mainly not yeah. if I have to get up for work the next morning. I am very responsible. And then it's like one GP, I was like, well, I, you know, on a Friday and Saturday night, if I'm sitting in, I'd have like maybe four beer, four or five beers. And, and it was like, oh, that's a lot of beer. You should really cut back on your beer. And then I went to another GP and he was like, oh, and do you drink anything stronger? And I was like, no, just beer. I don't really like anything stronger. And he was like, oh, no, that's okay. That's not, <laughs> nothing to worry about. And then I'm like, well, hang on. I know there are yeah. guidelines out there of how many units you're supposed to have and you're not supposed to exceed so many units a day. But it's like, if if 
two different GPs are disagreeing over what is okay and what is not, or is it their own personal opinions that are coming into it in a little bit? Mm. I don't know. Mm. So what do you say when the doctor says, do you drink and how much? I lie. <laughs> I was a lie. Do we lie? <laughs> yes, I lie. And then I, I told them that I'm a beer judge <laughs> and that I have to drink beer. Well, it's not even lying necessarily. It's that it's just really mm. variable because I don't really drink at home. Like I'm mm. a social drinker. Um, that's not just because I don't like beer. It's just that I prefer to enjoy it with other people. That's just my MO. That's what I do. Occasionally, you know, I have a couple of beers with my husband, but I'm just not really a drinker at home. So when they're asking how many beers I have a week, it's like, well, some weeks, many beers, some weeks and months, no beers. Like it just sort of depends. Um, so I lie and come up with some sort of middle ground average that I think probably evens out to being correct because I don't know what the answer is because there is no average for me. It just depends. So I think mm. the question is kind of silly in some regards because it, 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 I would imagine there are quite a few people that are also like myself who are like, okay, you know, some weekends it's quite a few and then others it isn't. So it would be better to have it more parsed out, I guess. I don't know. I just, mm. I find the question not helpful. Mm. Um, or maybe something like, do you think you have a problem with alcohol or do you think alcohol could contribute to these symptoms that you're having? Yeah. I don't know. Right. I don't know. You know, I was actually quite annoyed because when I went through this uh, gastritis or whatever it was, because it was never really confirmed, um, the doctor actually didn't tell me to avoid anything. She just gave me the medicine. And then she said, like, if it's not better within six weeks, come back and we'll do an endoscopy. And I was like, oh, OK. And then I wasn't feeling better after a week. And then I went on to Reddit and Google and, you know, Dr. Google came to the rescue. And basically, that's actually how I learned that I should be avoiding this. So on the one hand, I actually thought I got bad advice. And maybe she didn't ask me because is there an assumption that I'm a woman I don't drink? I don't know. Um, I wouldn't think so, but it never came up. And that's a strange one as well. Yeah. yeah, like I have a chronic condition. I have gastroesophageal reflux disease. So I have to be careful with my beer intake. Um, to be honest with you, I can't drink lots, a lot. <laughs> like I, I have to, I have to really, which is also why a lot of times you don't see me drinking on the podcast. Um, I have to be really mindful. Um, last year, much like Tandy, I um uh, had a really, really acute um problems with it. And I had to stop drinking for several months um, and eating spicy food and basically enjoying life and was was eating really bland food. So um, I'm really, really strict about trying to not drink very often. Um, and definitely now for social occasions, I'm saving it for uh, for good mm. times with friends. So um, but that's one of the big triggers is is alcohol for mm. for what I have. Um, so it's because it's the bubbles and it's also just the alcohol. So carbonated beverages, mm. point blank period in the booze itself um so I have to be really really mindful of my intake which sucks but um yeah it's made me think a lot more seriously about other aspects of my life I guess that we'll just kind of get into but yeah <laughs> mm. so yeah but and now, I suppose, go yeah. on no go on Tandy oh no I was gonna say so I mean Christina you you went through long periods last year specifically of well, last in this year of not drinking for like long periods of time, did you feel 
pressure when going out? Like, how did other people react? I mean, being at home is probably fine, but um, yeah, what happened outside of home? Well, um, well, you all knew, so I didn't have to worry about when I went out with you all and um yeah, I didn't have to explain myself. So, and I usually, when I'm out, I'm out with you all. So you guys just run interference for me. So I'm not too concerned about it, but there definitely is circumstances where I've been in. I'm just like, Oh, I'm not going to drink tonight, but then someone will just buy a beer and put it in front of you. And I was saying to them, um, to the, to the other host before this, and then I feel guilty and I'll drink the beer, even though I really shouldn't be drinking the beer. Um, because I feel bad for whoever's bought the beer and I don't want to have to explain. And it's really frustrating. And I have been places where I really want to drink because it's um, like a party or something, a party atmosphere. And I'm like, oh, you know, it would be nice to have a beer and celebrate with everybody. But I don't. And I get over it and I move on. Um, well, usually what I do is I just, you know, stay at home, go to the movies, go to museums, do other things uh, to to entertain myself. Um I got lucky that it was in like the winter. So I just kind of hibernate anyway. So it wasn't super bad, but yeah, um, I was okay. It was, it was, it was, mm. it's fine for me to go a while without drinking. So long as I'm entertaining myself in like a million other ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that too. I think that um, if there's an event coming up and I know that, that I won't be able to drink. Um, a lot of the time I just won't go because same. I just couldn't be arsed having to explain myself to people. And plus there is an element of FOMO. It's like, oh, you're tasting uh -huh. this beer and I want to try that too. And I'm mm. not going to be able to do that. So why should I bother going? Even though you'd love the social aspect of chatting to people mm. and things like that. And then it's like, I don't know I suppose when you when you I suppose when you enjoy beer and you like to talk about beer it's it's part of your going out but I suppose even even non-craft beer related things I do tend to it's like oh well I won't be drinking so you know what I might just not bother going mm. it's like that shouldn't be it should be I'm not bothering going because I have other things better things on it shouldn't be the main thing that comes to my head and then that makes yeah. me think God, do I have a problem with the drink? You know, it's like, why, why do I not so want much. to go? I know, I know. I, know, I, I, know. I relate so much to that. It's it's terrible. I think that um, I've now gone through a little bit of an exercise where it's like, okay, I will be designated driver or something sometimes because I hate doing it all the time because I don't, I get such fun and I don't want to do it. But now I'm trying to do it where it's like, I'll go to a thing where I'm not going to drink, but it must be a thing that's not about drinking. So it's like, let's go for a hike as opposed mm -hmm. to let's go to the pub and socialize because you're going to socialize on the hike or you can go for a picnic or you can go for a walk or something that doesn't have to revolve around alcohol. But, you you know, I, I think I've got like this cultural war <laughs> that goes on because I think South Africans drink a lot and Irish people drink a lot. And we're in Ireland where a lot of social... um a lot of socializing just does happen around booze. Yeah. I mean, it's often in the pub. And even if it's not in the pub, it's like, okay, let's go to a museum, but then let's go to the pub. You know, so yeah. it's such a culture. And so I, I think it must be very hard. And I've actually seen it on like Reddit and other places where people struggle to make friends and to feel like they're um, assimilating into the community because if they don't drink, 
what on earth are people doing? And you know, yeah. I can honestly not answer that because I don't know. Half of my, much more than half, close to all of my socializing has been around alcohol. How scary. Yeah. And yeah. I know people will say, oh, just have an alcoholic beer or a Coke. But mm. it's it's not, it's only so much busy drinks you can drink, I suppose. And I will say the advent of the macro non-alcoholic beer is amazing because it yes. does it is everywhere you don't have to go looking it's also great to have craft options which are, are much tastier mm. <laughs> um but, but yeah. yeah i mean i i had one or two non-alcoholic beers in the last few months i think i had a heineken one and actually that like it really wasn't bad and i thought oh this kind of at least feels it it does feel like you're drinking a beer you know, it really mm. does feel like that. Um, and I'm not an expert on any of the non-alcoholic beers, but it's something that um, I think they should, I mean, the market is growing and I think there is a lot of demand for it. So it should be just as acceptable to have a non-alcoholic as it is to have a beer. Sometimes I wish they wouldn't have specific glassware for non-alcoholic beers because then it feels like you're giving it away. You know, like you're you might yeah. want to it's but terrible why? you might want to conceal it but why should you but conceal why it why <laughs> should we conceal it exactly why should we hide it you know yeah. and it's yeah. like so if we are going out and someone is not drinking we don't want someone to say oh what everyone that you meet oh you're not drinking why are you not drinking mm. it's like well obviously i have no womb at the moment so I'm obviously not pregnant so <laughs> you know it's like oh is she pregnant she's not drinking did you notice that you get all of that I was like oh I'm on antibiotics is the another mm -hmm. standard line but we shouldn't need an excuse no you shouldn't ask people if they're not drinking don't ask them why they're not drinking um yeah, unless business. it's like unless it's like a really close friend and you have that kind of relationship and you know that they would want to share with you. Like, uh, I mean, I wouldn't care if Tandy or Katie asked me that, but like, if you don't know me like that, don't ask. Like it's, 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 I just don't think it's anyone's business. Right. Like no. sometimes it's just cause it's Tuesday and they don't want to, you yeah. know, it's there, there doesn't need to be a reason and if there is a reason you don't need to know about it um I think we need to kind of get rid of that idea and that stigma around not drinking um but Tandy you brought up a really good thing that I just want to mention really quickly before I completely lose my train of thought um this idea of like what are you doing if you're not drinking because I think um in particular I think we need more like late night third spaces because we have a lot of, oh, we can go to the pub, but where are, do you want to go if you want to just chat with your friends or be out for a while? Like maybe we need more late night coffee houses or, um, mm. you know, coffee houses with like board games. And because especially in the times that we're living now where a lot of us live with our parents um, because we can't afford housing because the housing market is ridiculous. We need those third spaces to meet people that aren't our houses where we live with our families um, or are, you know, or if you have kids and you just want to night out with your friends, but you don't want to drink, like, where are you going to go? Because not yeah, everyone yeah. has daytime availability. So we really need third spaces where people don't have to drink besides the movies, you and know? Also, the movies is not exactly sociable either. So no. it's, it doesn't answer that question, you know? No, we need sober places where mm. adults 
can gather to make, you know, to 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 grow their friendships and, and maybe knit or crochet or do whatever it is that they want to do. But, you know, yeah, I know that there there is a venue. There is a space. The clockwork door is on the keys. Um, oh, is it not that, that one cool. that just recently closed down? Katie? Oh, did it close? Well, listen, let me first, let me just double make sure of my facts. But I think I remember oh. seeing the clockwork door um, closing down and only because, well, it's not the clockwork door, is it? It was the, the non-alcoholic cocktail place, right? Oh, the Virgin no. Mary closed. Virgin yes. Mary closed. Sorry, Virgin Mary closed. Clockwork door, maybe I was thinking of the wrong one. Okay. But how dreadful that was it the only non-alcoholic bar in Dublin closed? I, I think so, it was yeah. quite badly hit by the pandemic because it, it opened yeah. not long, not that long before the pandemic. I yeah. think. Mm. And it was in an ideal location, Capel Street. Yeah. I mean, it was a great location. Yeah. But yeah. So, so what was that about the, the clockwork door? Because now, now I'm intrigued. Oh, um, I think it was one of my, let's just say the next generation are doing so much better than we are. <laughs> <laughs> my, my kids are just not motivated in the same way that I was by alcohol. You know, like when I was in college, you'd go and you get your bottle of Buckfast before you went to the college bar for the night. And that was your intention was to get hammered, I suppose. And that's not a healthy relationship to have with alcohol at all mm. and um I've noticed that it well at least with my children um that they're not they don't have that relationship or they don't have that thirst I suppose mm. for the beer mm. and I don't know is that because we've never denied them really and I was grew up with parents who don't drink I don't think it is that I think it, it is generational no. I think it is mm-hmm. generational. We've we've seen a lot of talk about Gen Z not drinking nearly as much as generations before it. Um, I don't know if they're not doing anything else because I think that, I mean, certainly in Ireland, cocaine is massive. Um, so I think that there is appetite for mind-altering or, or druggy-type substances, but it just may not be booze. And I don't know if it's got to do with calories or if it's got to do with health concerns, mental health concerns. I have no idea. But it is, it's strange to me because same as you, Katie, I mean, we were just always motivated to literally be drunk all the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's how like, we cut I our mean, teeth. People drunk in fields, um, mm. drinking in ice shanties was a thing when I was in high school for other people, not me, never me. I never did that. <laughs> um, but like there was a pressure, you know, to drink and drink young. And that's what you did. That's what everybody did. Um, Mm. and I think it's, it's quite better to have a healthier relationship with alcohol where you're like, ah, I want this sometimes, not all the time. Um, definitely a lot less peer pressure than when I was growing up. But I think maybe, maybe you're on something candy, especially like in the U S it might be tied to the rise of legalization of, of marijuana. Like Mm. if you can get that, there's, you know, you don't have the hangovers, you don't have all that stress. So it just, it it might be more appeal there and I mean perfectly legal and you can go and pick you know the strains that you want and get the high that you want and I mean that Mm. might be something that people are a lot more keen to do um which you know makes sense so I think that might be something in the states that doesn't explain um 
places where it's not legalized yet mm. or you know maybe it does but um who knows maybe maybe it's also got to do with the fact that um you know our generations <laughs> now we sound old but like our generations weren't as badly hit by covid and we have grown up socializing in places with people in real life whereas i think the younger generations are so used to chatting to people through their phones and you know whether it's snapchat or in forums or communities or whatsapp or whatever the case is maybe it's just more normalized not to be with people all the time and therefore there is no social pressure to drink i guess where we felt that that was kind of it you know it was the occasion you yeah. get together with your friends and you drink that's what you do yeah that's what you do that Don't makes know. so much sense i mean we didn't have social media like you met no. with your friends because you were bored off your face like there was nothing yes. else to do um so you you know you went out all the time and we drive around like there was we didn't have the access to the well I mean event we had the internet but let me tell you the the internet <laughs> of my age is a lot different than the internet is now um yeah. a lot different so and no social media at least not while I was in high school um mm. and when I was in college we were one of the first universities to get Facebook but I was a little <gasps> weirded out about the whole thing um I eventually got talked into joining but like it just wasn't a thing like it is no. now and mm. it didn't replace in any way seeing yeah. people in person like in when I was in uni you went out like constantly you saw your friends all the time we were always hanging in each other's dorm rooms or apartments or houses when we were off campus you weren't really ever alone um certainly not sitting behind your computer um you know, making TikToks or, mm. you know, even out in the world making TikToks or sending, you know, Snapchats to each other. It just wasn't what you did. Now, that might have been my group of friends. I'm sure other people had very different experiences. Um, but for for me, you know, it was go, 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 go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which probably contributed to to more of a drinking culture. Um, but yeah, I think you're dead right there, Tandy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but that makes a lot of sense. But what does it mean for the industry, right? So, I mean, if people are largely drinking less, or at least the younger generation certainly are, how do the brewers and the companies cope with it? I mean, I think the one the one strategy is obviously to have non-alcoholic beers non and good ones. Because good ones. Good ones. Like whether you're younger or you don't really like to drink or you've got some reason that you just don't want to drink that day, like they just should be options. It should mm. be normalized, right? It should be. And I, th I think they're starting alcohol-free wines are starting mm. to come back and you have the no secco <laughs> the alcohol-free prosecco yeah so it's I've been it's seeing alcohol-free gin and i'm intrigued because like gin I, I never know if i'm tasting the alcohol if i'm just tasting the juniper so i think if it tastes enough like juniper i'll probably think it's gin anyway <laughs> like i'm not i'm definitely not a an expert at gin i just like it um, but i'd be interested to try that you know Definitely. I'd also like to see, like, maybe this is ambitious, but we're going to manifest this, like a craft soda place um, where you can, like, mix your own sodas and they can do egg creams and all kinds of, like, you know, old school kind of soda shop kind of things. As a third place, I think that would be a lot of fun to go to. And, you know, you can, like, kind of like when we went to... Um, crew last year where you could add your own or two years ago when you could add your own mm. fruit to the Berliner Weiss. I think it would be cool to have a place 
for sodas. And then you're experiencing all the different flavors because a lot of people who don't drink are or drinking less aren't going to reach for a non-alcoholic beer because they're not drinking beer, period. So yeah. I think there needs to be options of things that taste really good, that have the same kind of exploratory interest to them. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we made this jalapeno mango soda. Try it. Yeah. That sounds really cool. I want things like that. Um, I think there's probably a lot of people who would be interested in things like that. Um, I think Dead Center have brewed a craft soda, haven't they? Or not brewed, cool. created. They have created. Ooh, that's cool. talk amongst yourselves there while I while I Google. <laughs> that's <laughs> pretty cool. I've, ne I've never even heard of the concept of kind of craft sodas. I don't think I've ever had one. So I'd I'd probably try it just because of the novelty of it. Um, I don't really like sodas though, so I don't know how much I'd go. Well, maybe if they were delicious. I don't know. It is the Irish Craft Soda Company. I'm here for this. There cool. you go. There you go. I like sodas because I don't really drink soda, um, except for special like special occasions. But I really like like cream soda and root beer and like root beer floats and all that kind of stuff. Cherry soda. So I would like die if some place kind of opened up and had like all these leaks I would literally be really all about that so manifesting that someone listening looking for that next idea I gotcha okay um, but I thought that'd be really cool mm. so yeah Irish Craft Sodas Company they have lemonade is launched and they're coming with orange I suppose start with the basics and then is that right? Yeah. There Make a cream soda. Make okay. a cream soda. Now, you see, that's you have to be more specific in your manifesting. So it's like, Liam, cream soda. Cream soda. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. Please. Cream soda in South Africa is is like a soft drink. It's a it's a soda, but it's not it's not got cream or anything in it, but it's bright green and it is the oh, very no. best. Hangover cure in the world. It's delicious. It's actually not. I had it when I was when I was there now in February, and I'd forgotten just how very sweet it is. It's like very sweet, but best best uh, hangover cure. Yep, cream soda. <laughs> yeah, love it. Mm. Yeah, it is really I'm... sweet. That's why you only want it the odd time. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. um, this whole sober curious movement. I was reading up a little bit about this because. By the time this yeah, is, what in is your, that, by the time this is in your ears, I will have returned from Oktoberfest. So my liver is going to need a bit of a break. So I was like, what is this? So so the sober curious movement is all about mindful drinking and cutting back on your consumption rather than complete abstinence. Okay. And I think that makes a lot of sense. In... I challenge anybody to be mindful about their drinking once they've already started drinking. Well, yeah, when you're <laughs> when you're four pints deep, it's like, how mindful is this next pint now? I think mm. I really want it. Yes, I want it. <laughs> I think, though, like with the advent of more like low ABV and non and non-alcoholic beers, you can you can you can if you want to or if you desire to um, rotate. So non-alcoholic, low ABV, regular strain. 
which can mm. help you be a little more, especially like at fest- beer festivals when you want to try a million different things. It's nice to have those non-alcoholic options to just kind of switch it up. Now, is that always going to work? Oh, you want to have, you know, sometimes you're out with your friends, you're out with your friends. But sometimes it's really nice to have those options where you're like, hey, you know what? I want to have a couple beers. Non-alcoholic, great. Low ABV, also great because at 1.5% or 2.0%, that's really, for me, fine. I can have a couple of those if I want to still be, you know, sober. Um, but yeah, I think I think yeah. more of those options is a really good thing. Um like Drop Bear Brewing Company in the UK, they're like now one of the biggest breweries like in the UK. It's huge. And they make, you know, vegan, gluten-free, non-alcoholic beer. And they're, you know, they're just expanding and their market share is just expanding and expanding. And I think that's wonderful. Um, and I, I want to see more of that. Mm. It, it is wonderful. Definitely. And also, hello, pregnant women that's yeah yeah you don't want to be no definitely so yeah i think people i think everyone forgets that pregnant people drink beer too (laughs) like or i I mean that like before they're pregnant and after they're pregnant people drink beer and um it's good to have options for them when they are you know in their pregnancy if they choose to you know to drink non-alcoholic beers or um when they're breastfeeding if they choose to drink non-alcoholic beers so I think that's definitely, Katie, I think it's great. I know. It's like, yeah, positive pregnancy test. And then it's like, they look at you. It's like, oh, DD for, well, it's not nine months. I suppose maybe <laughs> eight months from the time you find out. DD for nine months, eight months. And it's like. <sighs> that's that's the worst thing ever. God, I hate being DD. And actually, when you're sober and everyone else is hammered, it's just not fun. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I like this idea of sober curious. Uh, well, Okay, I have thoughts. I think that we should all be mindful about our relationship with alcohol, right? Fair enough. I don't know if it needs to be labeled. Does it need a does it need a whole thing? Does it need like a little hashtag or a badge on your social media? Or is it just something that you that you just build in as part of your life? You know, the same way that, you know, still struggling and probably always will, but the same way that you try and moderate your eating or your um, your exercise or whatever the case is you're trying to manage your own lifestyle and what's best for you this is just another facet of that it's not I don't know I, I wouldn't think be like my, my interpretation exercises three times a week on my socials like I just yeah yeah I think what I got from reading it was that the the whole like it's it's very non-judgy whereas movements before like the temperance movement would have been quite Mm. a judgy movement and then you have we'll say the 12-step program is Mm. there's a lot of religion in that (laughs) apparently and and do you you have to label yourself as an alcoholic kind of and are you an alcoholic i don't know and it was to have another way that is a little bit more less judgy and and yeah labely yeah but then I, I think I can see it is a label right. in itself I think sometimes though like we are presented so often and this is not just with with beer with it's with everything with extremes um that you have to be this or this or this or this or this box or this box and I kind of like the idea of sober curious being a little more fluid. It's like today, you know what, I'm mm. going to drink a little more. And then tomorrow, maybe I'm not. And so maybe it's nice to have a space with other people 
where you wouldn't necessarily identify yourself as sober curious, but like a space where you can talk to other people like, hey, I'm thinking about this. What are your favorite non-alcoholic beers? And what is your strategy if you don't, if you want to go out with your friends and you don't want to do too much? Um, where there isn't that harsh label of one or the other. Um, mm. It's sort of like this amorphous middle ground like Katie's talking about. Um, which I think is always a good thing. I think having more options is always a good thing. But agree, yeah. like sometimes I think we go a little too far with with the labels. I think, yeah, as as a millennial for our generation who really did not like labels, sometimes I find them for myself, not for anyone else, for myself. Um, yeah, I'm not necessarily keen to pick up new ones. Um, mm-hmm. But I I know that for other people, they're really, really handy. Um, but I don't think I'd ever identify myself as sober curious. Um, I wouldn't take on a label like that for myself. That's just not something. But if it's no. handy for other people, then that's great for them. You know, yeah. that's 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 my thing. If if don't yuck people's yum. If it if it makes other people happy and it, and it's helpful for them, then they should absolutely do that. Um, mm. That's good. Good thing. You know, it was really funny because I I read something on Reddit the other day, and it was <laughs> it was one of these like actually what's the difference between other generations and and gen z and one of the things was uh, with especially gen x and millennials just as you said like the kind of aversion to labels because it felt like boxes um, and it feels like boxes like i'm not putting myself in a box absolutely not you can get wrecked but whereas gen z see labels is quite different it's not that they're compartmentalizing themselves or putting themselves in boxes but it's this um, I don't know, this acceptance of the very niche weird labels that they want to find other people like them and it becomes a community thing and you can have many labels, it's not like just one whereas I think, I think I've got this thing against labels because it feels like if you're labeled one thing, you can't be labeled another thing too and I don't like that that, you know, that feels that feels restrictive to me so, yeah, yeah, yeah I think I think labels are much more fluid now when they weren't when we were growing mm. up at least where they I was from yeah. it you were absolutely like put in a box if you said yeah. that you were this then you were this and that you was couldn't it. be you couldn't be this on the weekends or this also it was you were this this was your whole identity wrapped mm-hmm. up in this and I think that's great that Gen Z is so fluid and is like you know what this suits me today and I'm going to take a little bit of this and I'm going to take this and it helps me find my community I think that's wonderful but it is hard to jettison this idea in my head that's like I have to pick a label and stick with it because that was just what was drilled yes. into my brain. I would love to have this idea of of finding community by picking things, but that's just really hard for me mm. to wrap my head around. Totally, completely unnatural for me too. Yeah, and um, yeah, and um, I was reading too a different article during the during the summer. Um, let me just bring up its name. It's called Tapped Out. This was a uh, published in uh, Good Bear Hunting. The pro problematic culture of over drinking when you work in alcohol and it was written by Mark LaFaro and uh, I was reading that and I was thinking the problems that we have we don't actually work day in day out in the beer industry it's not our primary jobs at all imagine working in the beer industry and deciding look I've had enough how how would people take that that must be so oh. tough. I remember um, hearing stories from um, brewers and people who were working in breweries and it was 
you know, people would, would talk about, oh, the benefits of working in a brewery, you get to drink all the time, all the things. But no one was really talking about the fact that, okay, there is QA, which is, you know, quality assurance and people are going to be drinking. You want to make sure that your beer is um, not infected and it's going out in the correct state and all of that. But that's a lot of drinking. And if you're driving to work and back every day, that's kind of a big risk. So, you know, there's they're almost, I don't know how people deal with it, either with um, using Ubers or taxis, but that gets expensive and notoriously beer jobs don't pay that well. So I don't know how people do it just from a kind of general logistics day-to-day -day kind of thing, even if they weren't drinking too much, which I suspect is not really the case. I suspect there's a lot of people that are struggling with that. Yeah, and I, it must be a very hard place to say, mm. you know what, I've decided I'm not going to drink for a year or six months or whatever and have people come to you say, you work in a brewery, why aren't you drinking? Come on. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just, I... It may, I suppose maybe it made me, that, that article, we might link it in the show notes, um, but uh, it made me think a little bit about how tough it must be not drinking or or, mm. or deciding that you have a problem with drink in the beer industry, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. Well, it's, not, it's also not even just the day-to-day -day operations. It's all the festivals and the, you know, tasting events and stuff that you have to rock up for and now you're not drinking at these events too. And it's, it, it can kind of consume, even from an, not working in the beer industry as such, but being sort of beer adjacent, I suppose, um, as a beer historian and through this. Yeah. There's there's a lot of events, not not as much now as there used to be, but it used to be just constant. And you would, you know, you feel like you're missing out if you're not going and, you know, going to this and this festival and this event and this... And it's just, it's a lot. And even if you're not going to your own breweries and you would go to, you know, another breweries and there's just, it takes up a lot of your evenings. Um, mm. I would imagine if you're full-time in that, if you're in, you're in marketing or sales in one of those places, you're, you're going to be really busy. That must be very hard. Like you're saying, Katie. You know, friends and family have often asked me if I'm going to get into the beer industry as like a, a work thing. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> Why on earth would I make my hobby my job? That's a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I don't hate my job at all, but why on earth would I want to um, mix the two? I want to enjoy beer because it is just that. It's a hobby. It's a thing I do on the side, whether it's, you know, tasting, um, judging, podcasting, enjoying, socializing, all the things, brewing. It's just a, it's a, it's a side gig. It's a fun thing, not a... Not a job. I I think it must be very hard. That said, I don't know if you could do well in the beer industry if you didn't love beer. So I guess there's a line there. Wise words. Wise words, <laughs> Tandy. <laughs> I think we've covered everything that I have in my notes. Ladies, anything? Nothing from me. No? Just mi mind yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Mind yourselves. Be kind. Don't keep asking people if you don't see a drink in their hand don't go up to them and say you're not drinking you're pregnant <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe just let them be let them be okay so mm -hmm. i suppose on that note um like always if you're listening to us on a podcast we'd love you to subscribe to the podcast like subscribe share with all your friends and uh we'll see you again next week Bye. Bye-bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.